Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. Welcome to episode 106 of Beyond the Rut, the weekly podcast about inspiring and equipping you to make your own path and live the life you've always dreamed of, Beyond the Rut. I'm one of your hosts, Jerry Dugan, and in a moment, Brandon Cunningham is going to join me with a special guest, Will Wise, founder and CEO of We, a consulting practice where leaders call when a lack of trust is getting in the way of their results. Will is also the author of Ask Powerful Questions to Create Conversations That Matter. And we're going to chat with Wee about some of the barriers that come up that undermine the trust you have in your relationships and how powerful questions can get you to a place of win-win in your relationships, in your work, in your careers, in just about anywhere. And we'll even talk about leadership. What distinguishes a leader apart from a manager? And with that said, check out this episode because here we go. All right, Brandon, get yourself back at the mic and let's say hi to our guest. Hi to our guest. <laughs> All right, we've got Will Wise here from We and Me. How are you doing, Will? I'm doing excellent. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome. We're glad to have you with us. And you're calling us from, uh, I believe you said, in Pennsylvania. Central Pennsylvania. Yes. I've always wondered, why do people say Central Pennsylvania versus like Northern or Southern or Eastern Pennsylvania? Is that a territorial thing? It might be a little (laughs) bit of a territorial thing. There is something in central Pennsylvania called Center County. And Center County is an odd shape. And the corner of it, it kind of looks like a duck running. And at the bill, (laughs) there is the geographic center of Pennsylvania. I don't know how they did that. They draw an X. And I think part of – so part of that is it. And I think the other is there's two geographic – populations around Pittsburgh and Philly. And if you're not part of Pittsburgh and Philly, there's a lot of rural areas with lots of farms. Yeah. Cool. I'm very familiar with Scranton, Pennsylvania. You know, the, Cause of the office the per- paper company there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, Will, I like to kick off all our episodes with a little icebreaker. It's a game I call uh, six degrees of separation, fact or fiction. So if, if you heard some of our episodes and you've, you know exactly where I'm going to go with this. So I'm going to ask you how you're connected to a celebrity within six degrees. And this celebrity happens to be uh, Brandon's favorite. Um, he just, he loves her more than almost more than his <laughs> wife, but not quite. Um, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> and then after you tell she us, listen. after you tell us how you're connected to the celebrity, Brandon has to guess if what you just told us is fact or fiction. And then you let us know if Brandon's good at guessing that or not. And I have no idea why we play this game, but it's just something I came up with on the fly one episode and it just became my thing. I just got to play an it. Illness. it. It probably <laughs> is. Yes. Um, so if you're ready to play. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> right off the bat, we hit him with a curveball. He probably didn't know this was coming. So, uh, six degrees of separation. Uh, tell us how you are connected with the one and only Renee Zellweger. Renee. <laughs> well, so I'm kind of this quiet person. And my wife, when we got married, everybody stood up at the wedding and they said, I know Will through Heather. And so at one point in time, my wife, Heather, was part of the modeling uh, field, and um, she knew all the planners in that. And one of the planners was uh, Bob White. And Bob White 
knows Linda House, and Linda House knows this guy, George Bonopolis, and is that six? I think so. I think so. Yeah. And George and her used to be roommates in college. Sounds legit to me. All right. Brendan says fact. I mean, his last name's Wise. He would know. <laughs> nope. Uh, sorry, Brandon. I think you knew that, though. <laughs> the Panopolis really made me worry. I was like, hmm, George Panopolis. That's the thing that keeps you like, in. Hmm. I was thinking, what I, what I found myself doing was taking first names of people in my head and mixing them with other people's last names. <laughs> there you go. Um, well, aside from Pennsylvania geography and Renee Zellweger, you actually have a day job that, you know, is pretty successful and, and you do something pretty cool. Tell us a little bit about that. About we and me? About we and me. All right. Well, that's Will. He's going to tell you about it because that's his company. That's true. That's probably <laughs> yeah. a good idea. That's why he's here, I think. Oh, you were talking to Will. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> so we and me, we say we for short, although it's fun because our URL is we and dot me and people tend to call us when um, there is a breakdown of trust within their organizations so leaders within organizations are noticing that a lack of trust is getting in the way of getting things done that's when they tend to call us wow so, so we, how did you get into that line of work wow that's a Interesting question. Um, I think I've been doing it all my life and not really clear that that's what I was doing. Um, I guess if we were to, to go back to the beginning, I graduated from college with a degree in forestry. And I chose forestry because I loved the outdoors. And as a kid who was taken from a foster put into the foster care system i before that i didn't know where i was going to sleep i didn't know where i was going to get my next meal and my new father saw that i spent a lot of time in the woods and one day he suggested if you're going to go to college i ended up being the first to go to college he said why don't you get a degree in forestry and i said what's forestry and said well you get to learn more about those trees you've been hanging out in and I think at that point, I really wanted an old man to walk along with me and just tell me the name of trees and such. Awesome. And I didn't really get that in college. I ended up finding <laughs> that most people wanted to make money. But I was really intrigued by the relationships in the forest. And so when I was the first job I had out of college, I was in overseas in Nepal and there was a really pivotal moment in which I was helping the... In the 1950, all the king, the king took all the forested land and said, it is ours. Oh, that was nice. <laughs> and when he said ours, he meant mine. Yeah. <laughs> and so then all the villagers had to s steal their fodder, their firewood, and their food from the forest. And there was these forest guards who really their job was to accept the bribes and so when i was there the king said okay if you guys can manage the land and tell me how you're going to manage the land you can have the land back at least the rights of using the land and so i was helping this a district forest officer 
do a training where these forest guards would now be trained as a liaison to help villagers make operational plans. What are you going to do when somebody kills a bird? What are you going to do when somebody steals some land? And my language ability then was really limited. And there was a moment in which this tall, handsome assistant forest um, district forest manager was leading all of these villagers and he was doing an excellent job and all the guards were underneath a tree smoking a cigarette in the shade (laughs) they were the ones who were supposed to be learning right yeah Yeah. learning by watching him doing and i didn't know what to do and so i just thought about it for a second and i just went and i tapped the manager on his shoulder and i just pointed with my lips there you point with the lips. You don't point with your fingers. You point with your lips. And I pointed over with my lips to where those forest guards were smoking a cigarette. And I didn't say anything. I just pointed. And he turned to the villagers and said, hold on. And he goes and he talks to the forest guards for a moment. And then they all surround the villagers. And they're taking notes, which is an amazing thing in a country that's mostly <laughs> illiterate. And they're writing notes. And after the training, I said, what did you say to them? What what just happened? And he said, Oh, I just told them they were all going to give a presentation the next day. (laughs) (laughs) That's one way to get people to pay attention. And suddenly they were all engaged. And that became a pivotal moment for me because I realized I didn't have to say anything. I didn't have to uh, direct. I only had to point out like a – who's the guy who's – in the front of the band and the orchestra who moves his fingers back and forth, the conductor, conductor. I just realized all I needed to be was a conductor. And and I think it was that moment. I realized I fell in love with leading and teaching in such a way that the experience becomes the teacher. And so when I came back to the States, a friend of mine said, I have a perfect job for you. And it was working with uh, challenged youth. And so I ended up teaching in multiple different spaces places in the United States, traveling around the world a couple of times, working with adjudicated youth in a maximum security wilderness program, working with elders in Glacier National Park, working with young kids in the Redwoods, and always working for three to six months at a time in these really beautiful places where I had to show up and become the expert. And I loved that. And part during all of that, I started working with businesses who really wanted to be much more effective and help them break down their communication uh, barriers. And when I was doing that, I found that if I could create an experience where they would grab their heads and go, ah, that's what we're doing, that they would learn and do it all by themselves. And so I just kept doing that again and again and again. And I was almost always doing it for some other entity. And then when Chad Littlefield and myself met, he was really excited about what I was doing. He says, oh, I want to do more of that. And we fostered this relationship. And then one day we put our heads together and said, let's go for it. And then we started we together. And um, it's been great. He is really – he's. 20 years younger than me, really tech savvy and really dedicated in the marketing realm and has magic with people. There's a way that he can create something really magical. That's really important that you teamed up with somebody who's good at stuff you're not. 
It's like, you know, sometimes we see that rut is so deep or we can't get out of it because we don't have the skills, but you, you teamed up with somebody who had the things you don't and you have the things he doesn't. And then it just, it makes something really great. What made you come up with the name we and me? Um, so one thing I want to say about that strength piece is you are just kind of saying that flippantly, but you don't know how true that is. Like if I had a whiteboard that had spell check on it, it would be great. Yeah, but Chad exactly. can, Chad can put all those letters in the right place at the right time somehow. Like there's lots of different ways that are, and sometimes that's challenging. Our strengths are like, Ooh, like I can generate a lot of ideas and he's great at making ideas actually happen. <laughs> However, there's times when we can put our he- heads together and say, let's generate some ideas together and then we can build and create something really beautiful. Yeah. Jerry, Jerry's that side of me. He's, I, he always says, you know, I'm the starter. I'll start like 50 things and then he'll take like two or three of them and go, okay, these have some value. We'll make this happen. Yeah. And then I'll walk up. Where'd you come up with that idea? It was actually yours. You just kind of threw it on the table and then left. And Seven so. months ago, you said, we ought to do this. And I said, you know, that's a good idea. We should do it. And you said, yeah, let's go do it. And so, yeah, that's kind of the story of our lives right here. <laughs> That's nice to hear. None of this would happen without him. (laughs) So one of the things with we is um, people often ask, you know, where does that come from? We have a model that we share where, you know, we move from this place of a me mindset to a we mindset. Okay. And most of our communication problems are because we're in this me place, this place where survival um, all my questions, everything that I'm needing is trying to satiate this need that I have for a certain level of survival. And how do we move into this we mindset? And so when we thought, okay, let's put we in the center and really focus on expanding into that place of thriving and use our prefrontal cortex, the part of our brain that's up front rather than the reptilian part of our brain that's way down inside. Um, that gets both of us really jonesed and excited. And so that's why the we is really in the center of what we do. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now let's talk about how you can use CapShow to repurpose and market your content. If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long form content like podcast episodes or YouTube videos into CapShow and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part. CapShow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash CapShow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. I noticed uh, when I was a real estate agent, this is a few years back, and uh, hopefully my wife doesn't listen to this episode because my real estate career is the thing we don't talk about at home. Uh, (laughs) uh, The the deals that went very smoothly that were the most lucrative were the ones where everybody was looking for the win-win scenario. They were open to the win-win scenario. They communicated openly, like, this is what I want. This is what I need to get out of this deal to make it work. And the other side would say, this is what I need to get out of this deal uh, or to get this deal going. And then both sides would realize we could totally do that. 
all right, let's do it. That's the deal. And then as long as we stuck to that and kept reminding each other of that, the deal would close. Everybody would get paid. The the buyer would be happy with a new home. The seller would be happy with the, the check they get to go off and buy another house with. And then the worst deals were the ones where somebody in the whole transaction was so centered on themselves and how much they were going to get out of it that it was always a win-lose scenario, that the only option for them to win was to make everybody else lose. And in the end, yep. everybody lost out. Even even the guy trying to win everything would probably lose more than everybody else, either their earnest money or their commission check or something. So I, I just thought it was neat that you brought that all up and you got me excited there just a moment. <laughs> so now I got to go back to never talking about real estate yeah. again. <laughs> I love that story because, you know, so often in relationships we say, okay, I'm, I'm willing to compromise. <laughs> What really is compromise is lose-lose. Both of you are losing something. Exactly, yeah. If you can find the switch and say, okay, how can this work for both of us so that we both win, you're going to create something new that you can't do when you're thinking about win-lose or Mm -hmm. lose-lose. One of the things that that, I've learned through this podcast and then just knowing Jerry, because Jerry's a teacher by nature. He he does – you know, classes and orientation and all kinds of things. But one of the things he talked to me about and still talks to me because I've not gotten it down yet is do more listening than talking. And yeah. I find that especially like in my company, I, I run a, a, a team of developers and software company and, and just not talking because they have that personality where they'll just listen to whatever I say and go do it. And, yeah. and sometimes not push back. And I always I have to remind myself, every idea you have is not good. In fact, a lot of the ideas you have are not good. So listen to other people talk more than you talk. And so I try to consciously do that, especially with one-on-ones, is try to consciously say, am I talking more than the other person? Try not to do that. I love that. It's a great place to stand. And in my book, Ask Powerful Questions, Create Conversations That Matter, there's a whole chapter on listening. And I think what you're talking about there is a really beautiful place to start having some awareness. And with we, one of the things we focus on is we're more concerned about who we are being (laughs) rather than what we are doing. That's good. So when you say, yeah. And so when you say listening, there's a way I can be listening for particular things. And so, for example, when someone's talking to me, I might be listening for, am I being admired? <laughs> or what did I do wrong? And as soon as I'm listening for one of those things and the other ones like that, my narrow, my listening gets really narrow. And so maybe in your workplace and when I'm, so sometimes when I teach, I have up to eight other people that are the front lines and they're actually teaching and I'm teaching them how to teach, teaching them how to lead and how to facilitate. And when I'm in that space and I'm going and I'm listening for what's wrong, I'm listening for how the students aren't getting it. I'll find lots of examples of that. Right. And if I go, let me listen for how the leaders are succeeding. Let me listen for um, success. Let me listen for how the information might be landing suddenly there's a whole lot more that's possible. And so for me, the trick for me to help get to that better listening is as soon as I can recognize what I'm listening for, oh, I'm listening for the failure. If I can go, okay, now I see that I'm listening for failure. All I have to do is say, what else might I be listening for? Wow. That's it. And as soon as I say, what else might I be listening for? 
I can start hearing more. I can start gathering more information. It's like I, I jump into a pool of, I like hot tubs. So maybe I'm jumping into a <laughs> pool of hot tub, right? Before I was just standing on an icicle or on an iceberg. And suddenly I d- jump in and I hear a whole lot more than I did when I was listening for failure. Because when I started listening for what's wrong or for failure, I can find lots of examples of that. And all I'm going to get is more of that. And we all know that because we grow up and you either your mom, your grandma, somebody used to say, you know, if you look for the negative, you're going to find it. And I, yeah. I would think that would apply to any relationship, personal or professional in any way. But while you were saying that, I was thinking the conversations we have with ourselves. if you're always looking for the negative side of yourself, you know, I'm too yeah. tall, too fat, too thin, too whatever, you're always going to find it. Yeah. And one of the things, this is a little more revealing than I'd like to do in a podcast, but here we go. <laughs> one of the things that I did recently is um, I made a declaration and my declaration is I am the possibility for love and belonging. I am the possibility for love and belonging. And so when I'm about to do a keynote, when I'm about to walk into a room with a CEO and his 12 new um, direct reports who have never worked together as a function together as a team. They're a group, but they've never functioned together as a team. And I walk in with, I'm going to fix them. Then it's all over. All I do is fail all day. But when I walk in and say, I am the possibility of love and belonging, I start seeing belonging. I start seeing love, even if they're little tiny moments. And I say, hey, so what's happening there? And how does that get included? And what's going on there? And suddenly I'm showing up differently than I would be if I'm coming in to fix. So people see me as an expert and they invite me to come in, they pay me this, these dollars. And as soon as I show up as an expert, I stop learning. Right. Because I already know it all. <laughs> and if they put me in an expert role and I accept it, then <laughs> I'm just going to tell them how it is. But if I show up with this as the possibility I am love and belonging, there's a relationship where I suddenly am not the expert anymore. I'm the explorer. That's, okay, what's here? What's possible? That's so powerful. And I, I, I can imagine somebody's hearing that thinking, well, okay, I don't really know what that means. But if we look inward and maybe look back at meetings we walked into with our boss or maybe our spouse where we're like, okay, I know exactly what's going on and I'm, I'm loaded for bear. I'm going to prove this guy wrong and all this kind of stuff. You usually walk out of there going, um, totally screwed that up. I'm disappointed or whatever, a <laughs> stress level. But if you walked in with a different attitude, imagine how that meeting or that interaction would have gone. Yeah. And it really comes back to this being and doing, right? So, so often all the work out there in the world really says, you know, you have to change who, what you are doing, but you ever have somebody serve you at a restaurant? Yeah. Who doesn't care about you? <laughs> you died. E- I never heard of this. And even though she knows how to do the order and put it all in and she's doing all the behaviors right, you can tell that she doesn't care about you. Right. That's her being showing up. And when that being shows up, that affects your relationship and you might leave a less of a tip or you might roll your eyes when she walks away. Mm-hmm. But if we can start accessing the way that we are being and speaking and listening is a really beautiful place to start doing that because speaking and listening actually creates the world that we walk into every day, that we navigate through the conversation that we're having with ourselves. Wow. 
And you can turn on the TV and see there's a lot of people not doing that. You, know, you turn on any news and there's like five people and they're all just kind of yelling at each other because I'm right, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. And it's like, okay, there's no way everybody's right. Somebody's got to be wrong. The one here. who's loudest apparently is yeah. the one who's right. <laughs> That's usually what right? it is. You're like, I have no idea what the argument was now. But but in our personal relationships, we're that way. We're that way maybe with our kids or our neighbors or our coworkers or maybe even, you know, your boss where you're just like, he's just not listening and I'm trying harder and harder to say it instead of just kind of being there and, and, and seeing it from his perspective and listening to the whole thing. And I, I'm sitting here thinking of my own life because I'm like, I've gone into so many conversations. Like, I know exactly what you're going to say. I know exactly mm-hmm. what your position is. And I've already got my argument built. I've got a stack of books here. I'm going to just preach it. And, and it always goes out bad because of that attitude you go into it with. I love what you're saying. If there was one thing that has helped me transition from that place what I'm going to call expert, right? I know what, how you're going to respond to a place of an explorer where I can actually make something new is have enough awareness of what the assumptions are that I'm making. And so one of my teachers says, don't make assumptions. And I would really, I have yet to do this, but I want to communicate with them. Can, I, can we just not say, don't make assumptions? Can we say, question your assumptions? Right. And and when I can question those assumptions, even out loud, like, okay, so I'm assuming you don't want to be in this meeting and you don't want to be talking about this. (laughs) Suddenly, I'm putting something in the room that we can actually be talking about. And they can say, you know what? I really don't want to be talking about this. But what I do want is I want want something to change. This is not working for us. And every time I do that, when I change a – assumption into a question and I put that out there, I always get more than I expected every single time. That's good stuff. I like that. I was listening to somebody today that he said, there are things that you know are true today that you will find out are not true. That <laughs> Just the way you see things, you know, and, and he was kind of specifically talking about our belief about people. It's like, I know these people are this way. And you're going to eventually grow and and kind of expand your horizon, see people from different cultures, faiths and everything else and go, that's not what I thought to be true. I know this is true today, but down the road, you're going to find out it's just not true. And we make those assumptions all the time. I'm guessing Will helps people get to that realization faster through powerful questions. (laughs) I win. Probably a good job. (laughs) You should write a book and use that. (laughs) It is true. There's a way that I want to be a connection accelerator, right? I was just talking to a conference organizer and I couldn't believe I actually said this. It shocked me at the time. (laughs) She, you know, coordinates up to 12 conferences a year and she was real. This was our first meeting on the phone. And she's like, wait a minute. I looked around at your LinkedIn and I looked around on your website. Like, who are you and what are you doing? (laughs) I like, I want to tell people about what you're doing. And I said, well, one of the things that we're doing is in the first 15 minutes of this conference, we will have people connected and talking to each other like they would be at the end of a three-day conference. Really accelerate those conversations right up front. And, you know, when you first come together, it's like, how are you? Where are you from? What do you do? (laughs) And all of that will show up if I say, what's life teaching you right now? Yeah. <laughs> and suddenly, 
you know, you'll get a little bit about where they work and what do they do. And, but you'll also get this whole other package about who they are and what they're excited about and what's moving them. What's great is sometimes you'll go to something that's three or four days long. And at the end you'll say, man, I wished we would have gotten closer sooner. We'd all yeah. went to dinner or all hung out, but now we got to go home tomorrow and you know, we should stay in touch and you never do. But how cool would it be if during that three days you were actually all connected earlier it's, instead of catching a late, late minute beer, last minute beer before you get on your plane kind of thing. Right. And so if there's one way that you want to do that, if that's like, okay, well, I would like to do that more in my life. One thing that I have found, so one of the things I do is I've trained facilitators to walk into a room full of strangers and talk about things that nobody wants to talk about, <laughs> race, gender, long-term conflict, climate change, with no agenda. Let's just talk about it. Okay, so there's a slight agenda. We hope you continue <laughs> the conversation afterwards, but there's no right. political agenda, right? And one of the things that we realized in doing this, and this is really the synthesis of the book, is we've got to get clear about what our intent is got to do that first then you got to connect and then once you connect you can start asking questions and create a listening so you're actually listening and and build on empathy and one of the most powerful tools that can really affect the place of being rather than doing is following your natural genuine curiosity somebody walks in with a purple hat and you're curious about that and you go oh i can't ask that i'll be way too personal But if you can say, so what's the story with the purple hat? (laughs) They'll suddenly feel seen and they will tell you something. And if you get it, they'll feel heard. And then there's a connection. Bam. That's so true. And that happened to me just the other day because uh, I have a a lady I just hired onto my staff. She's from India. She just uh, graduated with her master's and, and I know zero about India and I was asking her all these questions and she just started opening up and it was just pouring out. And I told her, I said, you know, I, I'm, I'm not ever going to try to offend you. I am going to say something stupid just because I don't <laughs> know, but it comes from ignorance, not any kind of bias or anything. I just want to know. And I, and I have another guy on my staff that's from Vietnam and I, I just, I love to hear things that I don't already know. And, and that works so well when you just say, so tell me about, you know, just growing up. What, what's it like, like dog grocery stores and, you know, watch TV, what goes on there? And they feel like you're really invested in their life because you genuinely want to know that that's kind of like you were saying, you know, you have an agenda, but it's kind of a positive agenda. You're, you're wanting to know the information. Yeah, what's beautiful about what you're saying and thinking about your listeners, if there was one thing that would get us out of a rut, it's curiosity. When I'm in when I'm personally in a rut, there's no more curiosity. I know what's going to happen <laughs> when I wake up for breakfast, right? Yeah. Wake up for breakfast. Well, I'm having a tough day. When I wake <laughs> up and I have my breakfast, I know what's going to happen, right? I know the routines in my life. But if I can find the place where I'm curious, You know, it took me 10 years to say yes to my wife and for us to get married. And during that time, we played this game with anybody who had been married for 40 plus years is what's the secret? (laughs) (laughs) And a lot of their answers was about this curiosity and keeping it young and keeping it fresh, Mm -hmm. accepting the other person for who they are, even through all the changes. That was definitely a big theme. 
there was this other theme of curiosity. And if I can develop curiosity for the people that I work with, if I can develop curiosity with the people I love, if I can do it with my customers, there's something, the rut, the routines become minimized because every time you really follow your curiosity, you're taking a risk. Every time you ask a powerful question, you're taking a risk. And when people see you take that risk and see that vulnerability, people are like, ooh, he just asked me, can I, uh, can I answer that? Yes. <laughs> and then they do. And something, that vulnerability creates an authentic, real relationship. Yeah, they're like, we'll ask that guy about his purple hat. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, tell us a little bit more about the book. Where, where can we get it? What, who, who is the ideal reader of this book? Um, that's multiple questions in there. Um, <laughs> that's more than one. That's cheating. So time. it's, it's available on Amazon. So my name is Will Wise. Ask powerful questions, create conversations that matter. Uh, October 15th will be the week of the official book launch. And so if you get on to Amazon during that week, you'll find it greatly reduced. Um, we also sell it at our store, which is we and me. So we and dot me slash store. But if you go to the we and me website, you'll find the store easily enough. Um, and your, what was your other question related to that? Who's the ideal person to read this book? Who's this book for? Okay. So I now don't know why I forgot that question. <laughs> Because that is the question that everybody wants to know, including the author when he writes it. (laughs) And I was (laughs) extremely struggling with it, right? I had trained these facilitators for many years. I was working in, in corporations, helping them transform their culture. And I had these powerful tools that were being developed and refined that I couldn't find out there anywhere. And... So I started writing. And to be honest, the way I wrote was I closed my eyes. I imagined my students sitting there or standing there and I would start typing. Okay, class, here's what we're going to do. And I would walk them through the experiential exercises. And so I wrote the book that way. Unfortunately, that doesn't translate as a good book. So I had to give it to (laughs) eight editors who really cleaned it up. And every editor said, who's your audience? And I said, well, imagine, look around from where you're standing and who would you not want around you that's asking really powerful questions? Does it work for teachers? Does it work for corporate leaders? Does it work for people in religious leadership positions? Does it work for the janitor? Yes, yes. Does it work for your family? So all these different places. However, since we've done the pre-release and had it out, we've gotten lots of different feedback. And one of them was from Bob Tide who said, This book is for leaders, period, serious leaders, right? It's this idea that – so one place that I stand with leadership is no matter what your position within an organization, you can be a leader. Right. A leader is making something happen that wasn't going to happen anyway. And there's plenty of managers within organizations who are not leaders. The manager's job is to keep everything the same. (laughs) <laughs> to put out the fires so the system works. But a leader is to make something new. So a janitor could be a leader, right? See, I would take your definition and say, you know, a leader is somebody who makes something happen that wasn't going to happen otherwise. And a yeah. manager is somebody who keeps something from happening that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> I'll take that. That's good. Okay. <laughs> right. And so 
um, who's the book written for? It's, it's, it's written for people who want to make a difference, who want to make something happen that wasn't going to happen anyway. And that could be the staff assistant at a university who keeps going to these meetings where the professors do this mental masturbation and never does any action. And she could think, okay, what questions could I be asking to actually move us toward action right. during these meetings and start moving something to make something happen that wasn't going to happen anyway? That was a long answer to your very simple question. Hopefully a complete one. I was just mostly looking for the person's name that should read this book. Like Bob, Fred. I think he wants more than one person yes. to read the book. You probably should get people not named Bob. I, I'm thinking, through, too, this, this book would be valuable even if you're just, you know, maybe it's somebody's husband. Uh, maybe in your neighborhood, things are not going that great, or you're a student and you just, you would like to see your class or your team or the people around you kind of excel more. This would be the kind of book that I know that if I'd have read when I was 16, 17 years old, I don't know that I would have read it, but you know, I might have, uh, had I read it, I would have had better conversations early. And that just gives you an, a, a such a, an advantage because you're asking better questions. So you're obviously getting better answers and you're moving faster than maybe some other people around you. I like Will's definition of a leader though. Like, cause somebody who's not a leader is okay with the rut. They're okay with the routine. <laughs> They're okay with the status quo. But then if you're a leader, you're, you're going to ask yourself these questions. Like what more should I be doing? What am I not doing that needs to get done? How could this be better? You know, is this all there is? And then they go and they, they, start making that happen. So I, I love what Will's you guys side. are saying. <laughs> I'm taking Will's side. If I we're taking sides. <laughs> <laughs> so think about it. Well, let me share a little story. So this material got refined as I was training facilitators. Right. And when we do an intensive in this material, no matter how many of us are teaching it, what happens is the lights dim, the doors close, we're all sitting in a circle. We're not at desk. The desks are out of the room. We're all sitting in a circle. It could be 60 of us in a circle. And I and my team say something to the effect of this. Are you ready for your life to change? Wow. If you are not, in a moment, I'm going to get up and open up the door and you're invited to leave. But there is no way that you can begin this journey of asking each other powerful questions and allow everybody in this room to be an important teacher for you and hear what they have to say and let it land inside of you without your life being transformed. Wow. Actually drastically changing. And then we just sit in the silence. We start in silence and then we end in silence. I get up and I open up the door. We sit in silence. We close the door and we say, welcome. And then we start to make it really clear. And, you know, if you pick up my book and you read any random page, my hopes is there would be a tool or a skill, <clears throat> excuse me, that you could pick up and it would change your life. But when you start looking at the pyramid that's in there, the model, and start linking all these different skills together and start practicing them in your life, your life will be transformed. It has to, because there's a way that you are now following your curiosity, asking questions around, and you're listening and it's landing for you, and suddenly your eyes will open up and suddenly you will see things that you've never seen before. Wow, that's powerful. 
And and who would say no to that? You know, no, I don't want my life transformed. People who aren't <laughs> leaders, man. Exactly. They're like, no, you I'll, stop that talk. I want to stay right here and safe and sound. All those managers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I dug this rut and I'm protecting this rut. This rut is mine. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I, I just th- got the This Land is Your Land song land. in my head thanks to that. Okay. <laughs> this rut is your... We need a theme song now. This, this rut, rut is, is your... your rut. Okay, well, yeah. We, we'll, we'll, we'll get somebody we'll on We'll hire that. some singers. <laughs> yeah, we're not doing it. Exactly. Well, man, that that's, this has just been an incredible conversation. You you, you just started some, some conversations I know that are going to go on with me and Jerry, but I'm hoping our listeners just start that. Get on Amazon and order the book. What's the best way to get in touch with you and for our listeners to connect with you and kind of follow what you're doing? Uh, that's great. So if you go to our website, we and dot me, I know it's an unusual URL. People are like, <laughs> wait a minute, where's the dot com? We decided to have some fun. So it's we and dot me. And it's a pop-up will show up. If you go to slash ideas, you can sign up there. And um, Chad, my partner, is really good about sending out communications that are useful. You know, you get all that kind of junk mail in your mailbox and you're like, (laughs) somebody's trying to sell me something. We work hard to do less of that and say, here's a useful tip for you or here's what happened here and try to give really useful tips in a way that will help move you toward the goals that you are seeking. I love that. So if you're not interested in changing your life, just ignore that website. Go to Netflix, pull up something and just start watching it. But if you really want to change and get out of that rut and make a new path and be able to look back a month from now or six months from now or a year from now and say, I actually changed something about myself. Go buy that book, sign up for the newsletter, and just check Will out and see what you can learn. And that's you <laughs> listening right now who's made it this far into the episode because, yeah, yeah, that's the only people who make it through the whole episode. Exactly. <laughs> so the book comes out in nine days, two hours, and 59 minutes. You got so. a countdown? <laughs> There's a countdown looks on like the website. You, looks like you went to the website. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> I was like, Yeah. I love the part. There's a part in there that says absolutely no PowerPoint slides. I'm like, I hate PowerPoint. But you know what? Because you just said that this book releases in nine days. Somebody could be listening to this like six months from the actual air date and they're going to wait nine days. So (laughs) October 15th, 2016. And that's why you don't hire lawyers for a year later. 17. Quit living in the past. Just get on Amazon. (laughs) I'm not going to do it all for you. By the time you hear this, you can buy it, man. You're really close to being able to buy it. There we go. By the time you hear this, go over to Jerry's house and steal his copy. Oh, man. It's going to have a lot of notes in it, too. So, yeah. Well, thanks a lot, Will. Appreciate you coming on with us tonight. And we got to uh, talk to you and learn a little bit more about what you did. And and now when Chad hears this, he'll realize just how bad it was that he missed out. And and we don't ever want to talk to him now. That's not true. (laughs) That's not true. And it actually was your job's fault last week. Yeah, it's my fault. (laughs) So one of the things that um, we do is encourage people to affirm people for who they are, not just what they do. And so I'd like to do that uh, for both of you, because there's something that you are doing here that I think is unique in the world. And so thank you for allowing me to play with some thoughts that I've been wrestling with and share those. And one of the things I think you guys are both gifted at is being cheerleaders uh, encouraging people to be their best selves. And you do that with your words and what you see is possible. And that comes out of with your words. So thank you very much for being who you are. 
Thank awesome. you. Appreciate yeah. that. That means a lot. That, that you had asked originally before we started recording what the intent of this was. And that's really what it is, is to feel like we've made somebody else better at whatever it is they're gifted at. So that's awesome. It's something that we could all practice if you could. So that would be a way of making a declaration, right? If I could, it, it, there is your declaration. So say that one more time. I don't know if I'll I play remember this back for you later. You can do it. <laughs> I, I want to really be good. known for making people feel like they can go out and do what it is they're gifted at doing. Right. And so the next time you walk in at work and you put that in the forefront, right? Yeah. So that Indian woman is now going, all right. And your interactions with her are uplifting her. If we could give everybody around us that gift, whew, there would be some real acceleration going on. There wouldn't be any ruts. The ruts would be gone. <laughs> exactly. We can <laughs> shut this podcast down. We're good. Everybody's great. Except for those guys who want to stay in their ruts. Like, yeah. Quit pushing me out of this rut, man. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Hit us with the shovels. Get away from my rut. <laughs> but they're not listening anymore. Those guys, they, exactly. they tuned out a long they time ago. They tuned out a long time. Oh, <laughs> uh, Will, this is, this is fun. I love this. All right. If you like everything you heard in this episode, be sure to check out the show notes at beyondtherut.com slash 106. There you'll find the link for Will's website, as well as a link where you can buy that book off of Amazon. So go check it out. And, you know, we ourselves are getting copies of that book because we want to read it. We want to start using those questions because we want to lead and change the world, too. And so with that said, we also want you to be able to change the world. So go check out those books. In fact, if you go to beyondtherut.com slash ask powerful questions that'll take you straight to that book link on amazon we'll just save you a step so beyondtherut.com slash ask powerful questions there you have it hey we love that you joined us this week and so be sure to subscribe to our show on itunes if you haven't done that already and the best way you can support our show is to share us with a friend a family member or that neighbor across the street so go ahead and do that in fact if they're not looking go ahead and grab their phone and then Pull up the podcast app, whether it's Stitcher, iTunes, Podcasts, whatever, and subscribe for us. Well, I mean, subscribe for them because they're the ones who need the show, right? Exactly. And that's about it. So we'll catch you on the next episode. Take care. And in the meantime, go live life beyond the rut. You know, the best thing I love about Cap Show is that they have one of the best communities ever. As a Cap Showian myself, I always get invited to masterminds with industry leaders to get the insights and marketing strategies that take my business to the next level. Plus, they love surprising and delighting us. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day free trial with the Cap Show team today and join me inside that community.